Donald Miller here, and if you work in sales, want to learn how to sell, or are curious about the latest in sales news, then you need to check out the Salesman Podcast, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. On each episode, host Will Barron helps sales professionals learn how to find buyers and win big business in effective and ethical ways. Here are a few episodes I've really loved. Digital Sales Rooms, The Future of B2B Sales, Master the Art of Cold Calling, Four Tips on Boosting Sales, and How to Tell a Remarkable Sales Story. If you want to find and win more sales with less stress, then listen to the Salesman Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Business Made Simple Podcast, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. Every week on the show, we coach you to build your business like an airplane. The cockpit is your leadership, the body is your overhead, the right engine is your marketing, the left engine is your sales, the wings are your products, and the fuel tanks are your cash flow. If you master the six parts of a small business, your business will fly far and fast. Every week, we help a business owner just like you optimize their airplane. I'm your host, Donald Miller. Today, we're talking to Raj Lula, and Raj is a professional marketer. He has a marketing agency, and yet he has a side hustle in which he has written a novel. It is his first novel, and he wants to publish it, and he would love to have a long career as a novelist. What's really great about this conversation is most of the time when I talk to a novelist or a painter about promoting their work, about positioning themselves as a brand, It's an uncomfortable conversation because most artists don't want to think of themselves that way. And yet the reality is all art is business. We're going to talk about this relationship between art and commerce and how you can launch yourself as an artist and be financially successful so you won't be a starving artist. You'll be an artist who can actually eat. If you are an artist who wants to both succeed and generate some wealth, I think you're going to love today's conversation with Raj Lula. This is going to be a great conversation because you happen to be a StoryBrand certified marketing agency. You you have a marketing firm, but you have a side passion, and that is writing novels. And you and I are going to have a conversation because you just wrote your first novel. It's not out yet, but you're seeking an agent. So uh, it's going to be great because we're going to talk about building the, a personal brand as an entertaining novelist, but I don't get to talk to somebody who doesn't know anything about marketing. I get to talk to somebody who knows a lot about marketing. And uh, I'm grateful to have you on, Raj. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I think that there's a lot of other people out there who uh, it may not be writing fiction, but you know, have an artistic or creative side project or passion that, they're, that they care about, but doesn't necessarily fit into their nine to five. You know, that's how I got started. I, I, I owned a publishing company. I think it was called Coffeehouse Publishers and wrote uh, Blue Like Jazz as a side project, as a little passion project. Just wanted to get something out there and it took off and then it, it, it kept me so busy. I had to let go of the actual publishing company. Uh, but it was not what I did and it's not how I thought about myself. I didn't think of myself as a writer. So you never know where these little side projects can go. You might be the next Stephen King or James Patterson, Raj. We don't know. <laughs> Your lips to God's ears. <laughs> so, okay. That's interesting. Is this really what you want to do? I mean, you say it's a passion project, but is this, would you love to fold everything? We'd love having you as one of our story brand marketing guides, but I'd love for your dream to come true. Would you love to just be a novelist someday? Uh, yeah. Or also screenplays, uh, storytelling of, you know, there's so many avenues in media to, t- to tell stories right now uh, that it'd be an interesting time to do that. Yeah. If I didn't have kids and if it was just me and my wife, Lindsay, um, and, and I could afford to shoestring it for a year and live in a camper or something and, you know, really try <laughs> to make a go of it, then it'd be an easy thing to do it, you know, with the amount of passion I have for this. But 
you know, uh, with all of the other complications of life, then it's, I have to make more strategic decisions. I think people are curious. What's the name of the novel that you just finished? And is, is it your first novel? Am I right? It is. Yep. It's my debut novel. It's called The Caring House. It's about uh, Gabe and Jenny, who are a little boy and a little girl who meet in grief counseling, it, each having lost a parent. And it kind of seems heavy, wow. but they, they, they grow up, they fall in love, and they get married. And then they think they've found peace until uh, they lose another close family member. And wounds kind of open up again, and Gabe starts to spiral. And uh, Jenny is worried that after she finds a handgun in the hall closet, that she's going to lose Gabe the same way that she lost her own dad. And uh, so she makes an ultimatum to Gabe that, hey, either the gun goes or I do. And Gabe has to decide how he's going to overcome this grief and loss that has defined his life uh, before he loses his wife for good. It sounds like Flannery O'Connor stuff. It was one of my inspirations. Tell me who else would you compare it to and, you know, a dream scenario, where would you be positioned in the market? I think that there's an, a lot of adult readers of people like John Green, uh, of Altnar Stars, Turtles All the Way Down, you know, the deal, books that deal with mental health, you know, those books that kind of make you take stock of what's important in your life. And so I, I kind of picture, you know, a mom or a dad who's got some young kids at home who goes on a business trip and you know, maybe there are a lot of diapers or a lot of mess at home and they, uh, you know, and they pick up this book in the airport on the way there, kind of reading at the hotel while they're on a business trip and they come back home with just this profound new appreciation for, you know, their family, their life. That That's kind of the target audience for this book. Wow. And do you think you want to write more books like that? Is this the genre that you would want to stay in? I've got three other ones started. Yeah. And genre is kind of a, a tricky thing on its own, but I think, yeah, sort of that up market, maybe may, I think a book club could get into it. It sounds like a really heavy topic, but it doesn't read really heavy. There's a fair amount of humor in it. And yeah, like I said, I've got some other ones started that, that all kind of deal with this difficulty of being an adult in a very complex world. <laughs> and, you know, so not, it's not just romance, although, you know, it, it's about whether their love can overcome their tragic upbringing, but it's also got this kind of second coming of age modality to it. Okay. Well, I want to keep talking about this, but I want to tell the listeners why. And where, where I'm going down with Raj and Raj already knows is I'm trying to figure out what Raj can be known for. You know, if you're, if you're, when you're talking about being a writer or being, you know, even maybe a musician, some sort of speaker, some sort of thought leader, you need to be known for something. And so James Patterson is known for the quick crime thriller, you know, and Patchett is known for the much more thoughtful, unwinding story. Probably going to sell a lot less books than Patterson, but the critics will like her a lot more. You know, Annie Dillard is going to be known for her rich prose, you know, on and on and on. It just works. I mean, it just works to build a career and be a professional writer and be able to work from seven to 10.30 in the morning and spend the rest of the day with your kids and not have to run a company, which is what Raj wants to do. And so I'm mining for, for what you could be known for and see if there's something there because you can build on that to build a brand. That said, this whole di idea of uh, you know the second coming of age, these levels of adulthood, I mean, you're speaking a language that I, I've never heard but makes complete sense to me. And you know, as an adult, how old are you, Raj? 38. 38, you're too young to be thinking like this. Why are you thinking like this? <laughs> I've been an old man since I was young. That's why I earned my gray and my beard here. 
There you go. Probably like 46, 47. I'm 50. Probably like three years ago, I began to truly, 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 truly process and begin to grieve my own death. I mean, the, yeah. the fact that I, I don't get to be here. It became much, much more real. But what's interesting is it didn't become more real to me when my mother died. In fact, I would say when my mom died, you know, of course, you feel like, okay, now you're the adult in the room and stop complaining about taxes and start doing <laughs> something uh, with your life and start trying to solve problems, start to give back. All that did happen when my mom died. It, was, well, it wasn't until I got married and had to start thinking about the actual difficult math of that I married a woman 12 years younger than me mm. and you know had my first child at 49 and two months later I was 50 that I started calculating how long these people are going to be on the planet without me and you start figuring okay well I need to this life insurance policy I need to put this away I need this rental property is what MLM will be able to use to pay for college this you start you literally start planning for the fact that you're not going to be here yeah it's a beautiful sort of grief and sadness that takes place alongside of this incredible sense that the whole thing is actually even happening in the first place. You know, it's, it's, do you, do you identify with that as a 38 year old? Did you hit that before me? Am I just a late bloomer? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get to the age where you really think about before this point, you think of life as like live in the moment, all of that. And now I've started to get to the age where life feels like a math problem you know, of that's interesting. How, what do I have to do in the next several years? You know, like my, my oldest is 10 years old. And that means I have eight summers left with her before she goes off to college. And so now I can think concretely, literally, which eight vacations do I want to take with my, you know, with my daughter before she goes off into the world? How do I make sure that she's had the experiences of the formation and the time with us that she looks back on our, being raised in our family with fondness and wants to come back for Christmases and, you know, all sorts of things when she's older. So it, it becomes very tangible that there's a very finite, limited amount of time left. What, what part of your brain do you think that is? Do you think that's the business part of your brain or the philosopher part of your brain or the poet part of your brain or what part of your brain is responding to that, the, you know, that, that reality that I've got eight summers left? You know, I think it's kind of a combination. The, the poetic side is, you know, when you, talk about in Hero on a Mission about writing your eulogy. I do that all the time, not only for myself, but for my friends. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's a little morose, but I, you know, I think of if I were asked to speak at this person's funeral today, what would I say about them? And that helps you take stock of a relationship and, you know, kind of wow. same for myself. I've never even heard of that kind of exercise. That's really brilliant. It's very altruistic. It's very empathetic of you. Uh, it, it might be a little uh, grandiose on my part to think that I'd even be asked to speak <laughs> at some of their funerals. But who cares, though, right? Because you're taking stock of the relationship and where it is right now. It's an exercise. And and then the the business part of it is really where it, you know where you take that endpoint and then you start to put strategy to uh, okay, where do I need to be between here and there? You know, so things like you know with with my daughter. Uh, we've got three kids. And so, so I've got a couple more summers with the other two, but, uh, you know, with my oldest, you know, it's like, okay, eight summers and literally how much money do I have to save to go to the Grand Canyon, to go overseas? What experiences would be formative to them? Um, Scott Galloway, who's a great marketer, has a good book called, uh, the algebra of happiness, where he talks about this, that we tend to overvalue physical things that we think that we're going to get more happiness out of purchases than we actually do. And we tend to undervalue experiences where think about the last two years of your life. 
And if you say, what did I do in those years? You think of Christmas, a birthday, a meaningful you know, moment, trip, all those things. You hardly think about the 40 hours a week you spend at work or more than that. And you know, those things just kind of co- kind of fly by. So you can actually architect and engineer your own happiness if you if you lean into those things that you are going to remember later as opposed to the things that you think you're going to value now like a new car or you know new furniture whatever that that won't actually make you that happy in 6 months there's so much that this is you know if you want to be known for something for example this is an author who understands grief that's one thing you might not be labeled as that this is an author who wrestles at the bone with the idea the hope and the doubt that life is actually worth living. Again, that's akin to grief a little bit. This is the author who can take the darkest subjects and walk us through them without making any of us particularly sad. He can do it Mm. while keeping hope alive inside of us. That's something to be known for. And uh, you know, whatever that is, it's got to, of course, come out of you, and then it's got to be true. And if there's a business lesson or, a, or a, a personal platform building lesson here, it's that once you know what that is and you're willing to stake the next 10, 15, 20 years of your career on it because it is you and you don't have to become that. It is who you are. The next thing you do, and this just sounds so crazy, but you just tell people, <laughs> this, this <laughs> is who I am. You know, it's just, it's just crazy. But you literally just go, when somebody said, what kind of books do you write? Well, I'm the guy who can take you into the darkest most painful subjects, and yet the whole time, I promise you won't be afraid of them. <laughs> I mean, that like subjects like death, subjects like your spouse leaving you, subjects like, like losing a child, subjects like whatever, uh, waking up and realizing that there might be part of you that is a monster. And I will take you there, and you will not be afraid of it. You will understand it as part of, as part of life, and that there's really nothing uh, in life that we have to be afraid of, even ourselves. And so I'm the guy who you read my books and you come out the other side with courage. Spring is a time for planting and growing, not just in your garden, but for your business. HubSpot helps your business grow better with intuitive service tools dedicated to cultivating deep roots with your customers. Customer portals keep all your ticket conversations going between customers and reps so issues are quickly and easily resolved. Mobile inboxes keep your teams productive on the go with tools for collaboration while seamlessly delivering support. And custom surveys allow teams to solicit feedback and insights that help improve your customer experience and customer relationships. Learn how your business can grow better at HubSpot.com. And now back to the show. As a marketer, now let me talk to the person in in you that is the marketing brain because you're a very good marketing mind. Yeah. How does that feel? Because you have a different perspective on this. How does that feel as an artist for me to want to, quote, label you and package you as a brand that offers, quote, unquote, certain entertainment repeatable value to the open market? Most everybody would push back, but I have a feeling you're not that guy. Yeah, I, I don't mind it at all, actually, because I think that, you know, you can take your art and give it all of these, you know, kind of ideal customer personas and and what you deliver, almost productize it in a way. And it's not offensive to the art. It just tells people what that art is for. Right. Most most artists, I think it's a lot of young artists who feel this way. They want to be genre breaking. They want to be one of a kind. They don't want to be seen as a commodity. They're beyond money. It's not about money. It's about my art. It's about my self-expression. 
and yet they all want the exact same metrics that people get. For, you know, They want to be the most famous writer in the world without actually, because they're so good that they didn't have to be marketed. I just don't know of very many people who've accomplished anything like that. And the other thing is, it's actually really narcissistic. <laughs> it's really narcissistic that just says, I want to be so good that people come to me without me having to do jack crap on their behalf to explain <laughs> to them why I'm valuable. And what I have to serve them. In other words, they want to be the chef in the restaurant that has no menu, that gives you no options, <laughs> and you come down and you should just be honored to be there as I put before you whatever the hell I want to put before you because God knows I'm the greatest chef in the world. You may be the greatest chef in the world. You're also a jerk. <laughs> I actually didn't think that I was an author before I, you know, before I started writing this because I didn't fit that persona. Let me take this to another level. How would you now, now that we've sort of described what you as a author and as a and what you would build your platform on, this ability to take people to the hardest things in life and teach them that they can actually face it with courage. What, one of the beautiful things, the reason that works is because it's act, you are actually offering the reader a transformation at that point. Mm -hmm. They get to become a more courageous person and face the hard things that are one, true, Two, every human being will have to face. And three, n almost nobody is willing to face them. Yeah. And so you, you're now offering that. You're the person who offers that. The other thing is, would you be willing to be known or have this book at least be known as this is the book that you, you get uh, when you're dealing with X? And do you agree as a marketer that that's actually a really wise thing if you want to build a platform and sell books? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The funny thing is, it's hard to know without spoiling the book how to tell people that utilitarian use of it. Um, right. Because there, there is a moment that happens about halfway through the book that I don't think I should spoil that explains a little bit why this second coming of age is so urgent. And so without telling much more than that, you know, there is a use for that. And I think that people would potentially hand it to their friends like, hey, no, you guys are going through some stuff. You need to read this book. Or I also think, you know, Netflix or whoever is listening, it would it would be adapted well into a screenplay. About Time is one of my favorite movies. It's, I watch that movie probably once every three months or so because I just need the refresher of like, hey, what's really important? Take stock of your life. Live it on purpose. Even when you get dragged down into school plays and diapers and all sorts of other things, you know, live every day cherishing what you actually have. I think that book is so or that movie is so good for it. I think that this book, you know, potentially future film could could have a similar effect for people. Tell me if you think this resonates. This is the book for anybody who doesn't know if they are going to be able to keep going in life, in marriage, in family, in work. They just don't know if they're going to be able to keep going. Yes. So to me, you know, that's what you would put in the literary treatment and whatever the agent is going to use to sell the book. Because the publisher's looking for that. And they're, they're especially looking for it if you're not a, a well-known author. If you're not a well-known author, they're looking for the quality of the writing. Does that overcome the fact that we're not going to sell a ton of books right off the press because people don't know who this guy is? So quality of the writing. And that's, that, that, by the way, is 10%. 30% is what problem does this solve? And when you say, well, a lot of people wake up every morning, they don't know if they're going to be able to keep going in their marriage. They don't know if they're going to be able to keep going in their job. And, and quite frankly, there's a big number of people who don't even know if they're going to be able to keep going in this life. Hmm. 
And uh, Raj addresses this in the most beautiful narrative and uh, comes to some conclusions that these readers will find incredibly helpful. I'm in. I'm just so, I'm in. As a publisher, I'm going, and I'm not in because I'm so moved by it, although I am. I'm in because that's a market. That's a human felt need. And, you know, we think of fiction as entertainment. It's got to be way more than entertainment. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's not just entertainment. It's hope for the human spirit. I, I think having prepared for uh, pitching agents, I already had a good synopsis of the story written. I even had comp, uh, you know, works, uh, comparable works that, that I knew about. But <clears throat> the piece that I was missing out on was this idea of like, what is this for? Who is, who is this for? How can they use this book? I don't really care if anybody even really knows my name. I want them to have this experience. And so helping them understand what this book is for, that, that's going to be my big takeaway. This idea that you can go to the hard places in life without it being so terrifying, so scary, because you add a little humor and you add a little empathy and compassion that we all go through this stuff, then that makes it easier to deal with and it makes it less lonely. And that's what I as an author can be known for without having to feel like I'm, I'm something that I'm not, uh, having to, to become you know, Instagram famous or whatever to, to sell some books. I don't really care about that stuff. I, I want, I want them to know that this this book is worth picking up at Barnes Noble or wherever, and that, like you said, the twenty hours they spend on it, it's going to stick with them. I had one of the beta readers um, text me uh, recently, and he goes, "Hey, man, uh, did the book sell yet?" And it's like, "Ah, oh, it's a long journey." And he goes, "I think about it every day," and what wow. an awesome privilege and responsibility that is. Well, it's a great note to end on, Raj. The book is called The Caring House. You are still shopping for a publisher. Can you let people know where they can follow you, maybe on Instagram, where they can find out more so that when this book is released, you can tell us? Yep. So you can go to rajlula.com, R-A-J-L-U-L-L-A.com. And uh, there's a a mailing list you can sign up for there. Please do. Publishers look at that. So, uh, Or if you are an agent, please feel free to reach out through the website. Uh, or uh, Raj underscore Lula on Twitter is the best place to find me. Uh, Raj, wonderful talking to you. I look forward to seeing this book. I, you know, I, I'm going to get choked up if this thing shows up at Parnassus Books down here and Patchett's bookstore. If I walk into that store and I see the Caring House, I'm going to get choked up remembering this conversation. I hope it happens. That's a good climactic scene for both of us. I hope so, too. Thank you so much. Raj, did you sense it in the conversation that he's got a future ahead of him as a novelist? I mean, just the slow, thoughtful pace of the way he described his characters and his story and the themes that they're dealing with, a lot of depth there. And uh, I'm grateful that Raj came on to talk about it. Well, at the end of even an episode like this, I usually give you a plan of action. That's, That's just something from today's conversation, the main takeaways that you can immediately implement to strengthen and grow your business. And today's plan of action is really short, and it's this. Uh, Know what your book is useful for. Know what it can be used for. Uh, Know what human emotion can be improved or what problem can be solved or what what entertainment can be had. You know, if you're selling a novel, there's a couple ways to go around it. One is the story loop, right? You know, uh, a guy meets a a woman on a bus. Uh, There's clearly chemistry there. Comes to find out she's the fiance, the new fiance of his brother, who's a giant jerk. And he's got a week to convince this woman of his dreams that she's marrying the wrong guy. That's a story. Now I want to know how that ends. Okay, so that's one way to sell a book. You open the story loop. But the other one is, do you think you could have the courage to face the absolute darkest, hardest things there are to face in this life and come out hopeful? 
Are you that kind of person? Would you like to be? There you go. You just opened a story loop for the reader. The, the, uh, some value for the reader to read this book and find out and experience that transformation. Know what your book is for. Know what your book is for. That's how you sell a book. And, and your agent should know, and then the publisher will read it and say, hey, that's a pretty human dilemma that this person is offering to solve. Let's read the book and find out if they deliver. And if they deliver, I think you got a good shot of being published. I certainly think Raj does. And this doesn't only pertain to a book, of course. You know, What is your product for? What problem do you solve? What, what value can people get out of it? If you can articulate that, you're going to sell a lot more of whatever it is that you sell. Raj is also one of our StoryBrand certified marketing guides. That means he knows a lot about marketing. So he's got that going for him. He's going to be able to market that book. If you're looking for somebody who actually can help you market whatever it is that you're selling, your small business, go to clarifyyourmessage.com to hire one of our StoryBrand certified marketing guides. They can create a sales funnel for you that will grow your business. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Business Made Simple podcast, where we help you build your business like an airplane so you can fly far and fast. See you next week.